When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Simon Brooks, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and bring you back safely. I was telling stories out in Nebraska the other week, and the journey back from the town I visited was rather long. I had packed everything into my suitcase and double-checked twice. I guess that means I checked four times, right? I have had this bag for a long time, and I call my suitcase Froggy because it's green. I know that's not very original, but it does seem to fit. I rolled Froggy out of the hotel, into the car, and then patted it as it got onto the conveyor belt to take it onto the same plane that I was getting on. We always travelled together. I had four flights and a six-hour overlay in Dallas, during which I played patience with a real deck of cards. I was amazed at how quickly time passed playing the game and how few times I won. I miss my family and I miss Mo, and I kept thinking of Froggy too. The flight from Dallas to Washington, D.C. gave me some time to sleep before the last leg of the trip. I wondered if Froggy, my bag, was resting too. I was one of the first off the plane because the connection was short. I had to walk very quickly to my gate, and as I got there, I heard the announcement, All those in our last group, Group 6, can now board. That was me, so I kept walking right down the ramp to the plane for the final and fourth leg of my journey home. I threw my personal item in the overhead and my drum under the seat and sat down. I had made it. The rest of the passengers were quickly on board and we were off a little earlier than planned. I looked out of the window as the gate was rolled away from the aircraft, only to see my suitcase froggy rolling up to the gate all by itself, nearly falling from the elevated ramp. My bag was not on the plane, but waving at me. Today, our first storyteller is, once more, Julie Moss. She is such a good storyteller, we had to have her back again. Today, Julie is going to take us to another world with the story, Young Head of Household. Once, there was an old man who lost both his mother and his wife. He had four sons, who had recently married three young women from the neighboring village. The man thought that none of his daughters-in-law were very bright and did not want to put any of them in charge of running his household for good reason. Quite often they would come to him asking about things they should have been taught before their marriages. Honorable Father, the chickens are loose from their pens. What should we do? Honorable Father, how do we make rice? Not only did they constantly ask questions about daily tasks, the three lonely young women incessantly begged to visit their families in another village 
when not even a year had passed since their marriages, although they had seen their families on the required visit three days following the wedding ceremonies. Honorable Father, we miss our families. May we go and visit them today? Irritated by their constant complaining, the old man came up with a plan to rid himself of the three young women. He called them to him and said, You are always begging me to allow you to go and visit your families. I am not as hard-hearted as you think. You may go, but only upon this condition. When you come back, you will each bring me something I want. One of you shall bring me fire wrapped in paper. The second shall bring me wind in paper. And the third shall bring me music in the wind. If you promise to bring me these things, you may go. But if you refuse, you are never to ask me to let you go home again. However, if you go and fail to obtain these gifts for me, you are never to come back. The thoughtless young women, never once considering how hard their task was, bowed and replied, Of course, most honorable father, we will obtain these gifts for you. Thank you, thank you for allowing us to visit our families. And bowing again, off they went to visit their families in the next village. As they walked along, they gossiped about the people in their village and decided who they wanted to visit first when they arrived. They had gone quite a way when one young woman's shoe broke. They sat down on the bank of a stream so the unfortunate young woman could fix her shoe. While sitting there, they began to realize what their father-in-law had asked them to do. How, how can we ever find the things he asked for? Who has ever heard of such things? We'll never see our husbands again. And this set all of them to weeping hysterically. While they sat there crying, a farm girl, riding on the back of her water buffalo, came along. What's the matter? Maybe I can help. Oh, there's no way you can help us. Just leave us alone. Nothing is ever as bad as it seems. Tell me, what is troubling you? And let's see if I can help. So the young women sadly told the farm girl, Our father-in-law expects us to find impossible gifts for him at the market before we're allowed to return to our husbands. Well, what gifts is he asking you to find? The farm girl inquired politely. <sighs> I have to bring him fire wrapped in paper. <sighs> My gift is to be wind wrapped in paper. And me, I am to purchase for him music in the wind. How 
will we ever find those kinds of gifts? As they started weeping again, one of the young women held up her shoe. And on top of that, I broke my shoe and I cannot seem to fix it, so I, I cannot go anywhere. Well, replied the farm girl, at least fixing your shoe should be easy enough. Come with me. So all of them set off for the farm with the shoeless young woman riding on the back of the water buffalo. Soon they reached the farm where the farm girl quickly repaired the shoe. The young women were invited to stay the night and gratefully accepted the offer. That evening, the farm girl puzzled over the father-in-law's requests. Finally, she sprang up and said, I have it! I know what he wants! She told the three young women what to buy when they reached their village. They thanked her, and the next day, on they went. The young women had fun visiting with their families and their friends. They also went shopping with their friends at the colorful, bustling, local open markets where shoppers were offered an amazing array of fresh and crafted items. They purchased the items their father-in-law had requested. When the time came, they returned to their husband's home. Meanwhile, the old man was satisfied that he had gotten rid of his bothersome daughters-in-law. So, when he saw them walking up the road one day, he was quite surprised. He began to yell at them as soon as they could hear him. What do you mean returning here when there is no way you could have possibly bought the gifts I demanded? But father, the young women replied, we were able to find exactly what you wanted. And they produced their packages. The first took out a paper lantern. Here is fire wrapped in paper, Father. And indeed, when lit, a paper lantern does contain fire. The second showed him a beautiful fan. I have brought you wind in paper, Father. She waved the fan, producing a delightful breeze. And the third had a set of wind chimes. Look, Father, here is music in the wind. Just then, a playful breeze blew through the chimes, producing a lovely sound. The old man was astonished and thought to himself, None of these girls is smart enough to have figured this out by herself. I must find out who told them the answers to my riddles. So he asked, Who told you what to buy for me? The young women told him all about the farm girl and how she had figured out what he wanted. The old man was so impressed with the intelligence of the farm girl that he arranged for her to be married to his youngest son. After the wedding, 
he told everyone that this extraordinarily wise young woman would become the head of the household. Everyone agreed that she was the logical choice. And thus, the family lived happily, prospered, and produced many fine grandchildren for the old man. Yan Li Xin, our guide and translator during our trip to China, helped explain the story to me. In old China, the head of the household was the eldest woman living in the household. Usually, it was the wife of the eldest man. The head of the household was in charge of seeing that the household ran smoothly. She did not have to prepare the meals, shop for food and clothing, clean, and do all the other work herself. Rather, she delegated the work to the other women in the household, other wives, wives of younger men, and daughters. When a woman married, she moved in with her husband's family. Except for the prescribed visit three days after her marriage, she was usually not allowed to visit her family until she had been married for at least a year. This was to ensure that she would become used to the ways of her husband's family and forget about how things were done in her former home. Because a new wife was the newest member of the household, she was generally given the worst chores, cleaning the kitchen, scrubbing the floors, emptying human waste. This was the pecking order of a household in old China where many generations lived together. Heading on a journey of your own? Plan on bringing back many souvenirs? Then find the travel case of your dreams at Hermes Travel Bags. From magical, never-full purses to flying trunks and carpets, Hermes has it all. Want a matching set of cases and accessories? See the many lines from the lightweight Arachne Athena set to the sturdy Aries set. Want to get goth while travelling? Then check out the Seagird and Gudrun matching sets. Need some more bling? Then you'll find it in heaps with the beautiful winged Ishtar set of travel items. And for those who love colour and magic, then maybe the Ram Sita set is for you. It's my favourite. Visit Hermes Travel Bags in the faraway forest and get the luggage of your epic dreams. Did you know that patrons who pledge $20 a month get extra episodes, a postcard every quarter, a chance for a virtual hangout, and a part of the super special fairy tale book club? Yes, four times a year, a gently used fairy tale themed book will show up on your doorstep to enchant and delight you. This could be a graphic novel like Castle Waiting by Linda Medley, or a fairy tale collection like The Turnip Princess and other newly discovered fairy tales. Each book is specifically chosen to bring a little more story into your life, all while supporting this podcast. Books are going out this month, so become a Patreon today at 
patreon.com forward slash story story podcast and discover the literary fairy tale magic of the fairy tale book club My suitcase came to a stop at the edge of the ramp as it pulled away from the plane. It wobbled nervously and leaned back. I watched as its wheels moved. It was looking for me through the windows of the plane, so close by. Then the retractable handle shot up and back down. It was waving to me. Seconds later, my phone buzzed as we backed away from the gate. A message from my airline saying my bag had not made the flight. No kidding, I could see it bouncing up and down, freaking out. My poor bag. A person came over and knelt down next to it and began petting it, gently raising the handle. The two of them, my bag and the well-wrapped airport person, waved at me and turned and went back up the ramp. My bag swivelled one last time, then I lost sight of it as I waved back. This is what Froggy told me. She had been put on the cart as I got off the plane with all the other bags and suitcases. It was taking so long. Froggy knew the connection was short because the people unloading the plane had been talking about it. Froggy was getting more and more anxious. But they didn't head to the plane, but into the airport. Froggy wiggled and shook, trying to get off the cart. As soon as Froggy was able to, my suitcase leapt from the baggage cart and rolled off to the board, listing all the departures. She saw where I was going and rolled as fast as her two wheels could take her past people walking all directions, cutting in front of carts, taking flight attendants to their flights. One of these carts passed by her, and Froggy reached out with her handle and caught the electric vehicle and was pulled towards gate 55. As this go-kart pulled around, heading onwards, Froggy freed herself and shot forwards to the door of the ramp which was closing. She shot past the attendant and down the ramp, getting faster and faster. She was going to make the plane. But then... Taking the last bend of the ramp, she saw a closed plane door and a huge space between the end of the ramp and the plane. She leaned back and ground to a halt. She saw me sitting at the window waving at her when the attendant at the gate came to talk to her. It's going to be all right, they said. Come with me. The attendant took Froggy gently by the handle and the two walked through the airport to where the other bags waited. She met lots of other bags and suitcases who had missed the flight. Froggy talked with them about all the journeys they had had and the adventures they'd been on. Some of the bags had missed flights before and said they were old professionals and there was nothing to worry about. A few bags who had travelled on different airlines had said that that was not always the case and sometimes you get sent all over the country before you get home. And then Froggy was on her way. She was whisked along by someone who was not very gentle and thrown up on a table. Let's see what we have here. The zip opened and a tall, broad man opened Froggy up. He tickled her, taking things out and looking through things. Oh, she's fine. Just some loose papers. There's a lot of them. They're just blocking a scanner. Put a note in here. The zips were closed once more and a more gentle hand took Froggy to a plane. She flew like the wind and was gently placed on a truck and was driven through the night. Taking a short nap as she was tired after all of this, she felt herself being lifted out of the truck and placed on a doorstep. She heard barking and recognised Moe's voice. She was home, safe and sound. We were very glad to be back together 
and she told me all about her adventures, which I have now shared with you. So, you know my co-host Isabel, right? Well, she's going to be our second storyteller today. Woohoo! For those who don't know this, Isabel is part fairy herself, and she plays the harp. Her favourite colour is pink, and her favourite food groups are cake and chocolate. Proper chocolate, that is. None of this Hershey stuff. No, no. Today, Isabel Hauser is telling the story of Florina the Flower Angel. When the glaciers retreated from what we know today as Switzerland, they left behind a rugged landscape, massive mountains, deep valleys, still lakes and gurgling rivers filled with crystal clear water. At that time, an ethereal being settled in the eastern part of Switzerland, an area we call Engadin today. Her name was Florina, and she was the angel of flowers. She looked after the forests and the meadows, the flowers and the herbs. She was alone for a long time, alone with the earth and the sky. Then one day, sitting on the top of the highest mountain and looking down onto the land, she noticed something curious. People were making their way into one of the remote valleys. They claimed the land built dwelling places, and started to work with the earth. However, when they started out, it was cold. The ground was still frozen when they drove their plows through the earth and spread their seeds. The season they tried to grow the plants was wet, and most of the tender seedlings were flushed out of the ground. Harvest, in consequence, was meager. Florina noticed that their chatter was replaced by silence, their smiles by furrows and thin lips, and that they no longer met outside to sing and dance when the trees turned into copper and rust and orange and red and gold. And when at last the cold took hold of the land, the valley echoed with heart-wrenching cries. Florina could barely stand it, even as far away as she was, high up on the mountaintop. With a heavy heart, she watched as the people in the valley buried their losses when the ground began to thaw, and then she decided she needed to help them. One day, a girl came walking into the village. Her angelic features were framed by thick braids the color of ripe wheat. Her eyes shone like stars when she told the villagers she had a present for them. They didn't know what to say when she handed them three bags, each one heavier than the other. These bags are filled with seeds, she told them. Plant your gardens with these seeds, and from them, three kinds of flowers will grow. Red, yellow, and blue. And when harvest season comes around, gather their seeds. Put half of them in a safe place for planting season, and the other half will see you through the winter. The people didn't quite understand. You see, the girl said, when you're out of wood and feeling cold, just eat a seed from the red flowers and you will be warm. When you have run out of food, eat a seed from the yellow flowers and you will be sated. And when the darkness takes a hold of your heart, 
Eat a seed of the blue flowers, and you will be filled with gladness. With that, she disappeared. The people of the village did not hesitate. They set to plowing and planting, and soon their gardens were abloom with a sea of flowers, red, yellow, and blue. They did as the girl had told them and collected the seeds along with their harvest when the time of year came around. Once again, their supplies of food and wood melted away swiftly under the thick blanket of snow, but the seeds saw them through the winter. Florina watched with gladness as they emerged from their houses when the sun succeeded in banishing the frost. She watched with delight when they started planting their gardens with the seeds, and she watched with confusion when she realized that planting their gardens was the only work that they completed. Yes, why labor in the forest to cut and dry wood when we have the red flowers, the people thought. Why work in the fields until our backs ache, trying to prize a harvest from the earth when we have the yellow flowers? At first, Florina refused to believe it. Certainly they would set themselves to work eventually, but spring turned into summer, and all she saw was the people dawdling, sitting on the benches, legs outstretched, faces turned towards the sun, eyes closed. At first, they only cast glances into the neighboring gardens, but they were soon followed with cutting remarks. Since when do you have that many flowers in your garden? Did you steal some from me? Oh, just admit that you moved the fence overnight, so you will have a bigger harvest. Florina could not stand their bickering, their jealousy, their arguments. Her heart broke and disappointment turned into anger. I will teach them, she decided. The next day, the people of the village awoke to a scene of horror. Overnight, all their flowers had withered away, turned into brittle stalks the color of the earth herself. They rushed to their cupboards to get more seeds and were horrified to fill the bags filled with writhing vermin. And whatever is not planted in the spring cannot be harvested in autumn. Only death had a rich crop in winter when he visited every single house in the village. Florina, however, turned away. She did not want to see. She did not want to hear the wails that turned into whimpering as their strength faded. As certain as the sun rises every morning... The days grew warmer. The ground thawed. The survivors emerged from their cottages. With the last of their energy, they made a plan. They knew that with hard work, they could replace the seeds. So they decided that some would go into the forest to work the wood, while others would work the fields. With that, they were able to replace the red and yellow seeds. However, no amount of work could replace the blue seeds, the ones that filled their hearts with gladness. They had to come up with something else, something that has lasted through the ages. When you go to the Engadin today, you're not greeted with hello or good day. 
The greeting in that corner of the world is Allegra, which translates to joy. With every encounter, the people in the Engadin wish each other joy in the hopes of filling their hearts with gladness, for they no longer have the blue seats the Angel of Flowers gave them. I have been there, and from what I can tell, they have succeeded. I hope you enjoyed today's stories. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Story Story podcast. Show the love and find the work of our storytellers online and tell them that you heard them on this podcast. Many thanks to Isabel Hauser and Julie Moss for sharing their talents with us. Listeners, find opportunities to connect with the magic of live storytelling, whether it's in person or virtual. There are wonderful tellers out there. Go find your favourite tellers from Story Story Podcast and discover what they can bring to your home. Did you know that you can connect with a podcast and see fairy tale sponsor ads on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast? Or you can connect with me at Simon M. Brooks on Instagram and on Facebook and my website at Simon Brooks Storytelling. Diamond Scree? Yep, that's me. Please let us know a favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. Inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor and the inspiration for the true fairy tale came from my journey to Nebraska. And the music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or write a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever Mary-Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court. Heading on a journey of your own? Whoop, that's a bit loud. Then check out the Seagird and Gudrun matching sets. Need some more bling? Then you'll find that in heaps with a beautiful winged Ishtar set of travel items, he said all in one breath, nearly suffocating himself. <laughs> Visit Hermes Travel Bags in the faraway forest and get the Ludwig. The Ludwig? For those who love. Visit Hermes Travel Bags in the faraway forest and get the Ludwig. The Ludwig again? Why is it Ludwig? It's not Ludwig.